This isn't a podcast on labeling product marketing. This is a podcast for product marketing managers who feel misunderstood internally. Because building slide decks and writing copy is not all that we do. So are today's product marketers actually marketers? Well, yo, welcome to We Are Not Marketers. To kick it off, this is Zach, a.k.a. Sales Waterboy. I am Eric Holland, the Franken marketer, doing just about everything under the marketing stack you can think of. Yeah, Bujo, um, sales deck intern. I'm just doing sales deck until I die. Slinging those hot decks on a Wednesday. Let's go. Exactly. <laughs> hey, well, to show to show the audience how much we care and how and how fast we act on feedback. This is the introduction that you all have asked for, coming at you live. So, yo, what are we talking about today? I got something on my mind, if you don't mind. Um, I think it I want is. to frame this off as a question like we're, we're starting to do here. And that's, you know, we've been around for a little bit, right? We're um, no, not new kids on the block anymore. And the question I want to ask, based on some things I've been seeing in the market, is when the conversation of driving revenue comes up, and when product marketing is, is inserted into that conversation, where do you think most of that is being asked out of us? The launching products that actually drive value or go find more leads? I'm interested in hearing both of your all's take on that right now. That's a, that's a really good question. Um, I know before the conversation, we were talking about this earlier and I'm going to share it from the frame of reference when it was like the short sin I was at, like, you know, series A startup where the context of it is don't really know you're either the first or second marketing hire. And in addition to their product marketing role, you may be doing a little bit of everything else. And so it's two parts to that. One is that, okay, your role as a product marketer is to influence that revenue by delivering like impactful launches to the right audience at the right time. And then there's the second aspect where your, your CEO or executive leadership within like a startup will say, Hey, like we need more leads. Like my question for you all is like, how, like, how do you set that expectation of like, Hey, this is what you brought me on to do. Or mm -hmm. do you stretch yourself beyond your day to day, given the nature of a startup, knowing that you're going to be doing a little bit of everything. Well, Zach, I'm not letting you get out of that with asking me another question quite yet. I need you to direct. I mean, I'm, I just right? want to, I want to throw it back at you because I don't know the answer. Well, I'm just saying, what, what are you feeling? What are you seeing? Right? Like, that's what I want to know when you, you know, when you're talking to other leaders, sales, PMM, even, you know, executive leadership, what are you hearing? Right? Do you hear, Hey, I want to launch this really awesome product and make sure the market knows everything about it. And yeah. I'm willing to push away people who aren't worth our time and effort on this launch. Yeah. Or do you just want me to fill the lead funnel as much as you can? Doesn't matter, you know, who's coming in the pipe. We want more leads versus we'll take less leads at the sacrifice of launching a really awesome product to market that everyone wants to buy. It's a lot of let's boil the ocean. And, um, I, that's what I hear in those conversations. It's like, I do care about the audience, but I don't want to niche down or narrow down because I don't want to leave someone out. Um, let's say that you're a financial services 
organization, you develop products for accountants and it's like, okay, let's focus on accountants. Oh no, but how about CFOs or any, and like how we talk a lot about like scope creep for features. I think that same mentality comes when we're talking to like executive leaders, when you're thinking about their audience size, it's like, let's not, let's add this person, this person, this person. And the more like personas you add, the message tends to get a bit messier. Mm-hmm. Um, Gavin, I'm curious what you, what you think about that? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good point that you're bringing, but ultimately I think all business owners should read crossing the chasm because that way they will have like a good foundation on how to go to market and will understand that it's one point of entry. And I think in the book, they are like using an analogy with the breach of Normandy, the location in France during uh, the second world war. And they were seeing that find your beachhead, find exactly the point of entry that you're going to find to ultimately have a big enough impact war-wise. Anyway, I'm not, I'm not here to talk about history. It's not my strong point, but I think that crossing the chasm is a good segue of understanding what should matter. And then this will kind of guide what should the priority be. But based on my experience, based on product marketing and just marketing leaders in general, um, I think the consensus is, is really clear. It should be of driving revenue. It can take multiple forms. Like ultimately you help choosing the decision, but I think that at the core product marketing should be responsible for revenue. So yeah, that's my thing. I definitely resonate with your thoughts there, Gab. And what I think, you know, what I see is the opposite. Because of the misunderstanding of product marketing and its function, I'm seeing more of the go get me more leads as to opposed to go help me close more deals, right? Help me get more revenue. And what I've noticed as a problem, and it's actually kind of twofold, right? I've already said it the first, you know, two seconds ago, product marketing continue to, continues to be misunderstood. So I think the default for founders and other leadership roles is we need more leads because more leads will give us more at-bats and more at-bats means we'll hit more balls. Um, but I like to use this analogy is I'd rather be getting tossed 10, 75 mile an hour, you know, dinkers than 199 mile an hour fastballs, right? Give me the slow pitch stuff that I know I can hit. I know I can close. Um, so I think there's a misconception there. And then the second part, um, you know, to be honest with you is I think the role of product marketing contradicts the role of going to get leads. We kind of talked about it there. We need to be able to niche down. And I think as we talk to more and more of our guests, Anthony and, um, you know, Jason, I think both touched on this last week, but you have to be able to niche down, right? And that really contradicts what I think a sales leader would want, for example. He's like, coke in everyone you possibly can. We'll talk to them. We'll sift through them. We'll figure it out and we'll, we'll close. And sometimes, you know, they're closing the wrong people. So I think by nature, the problem is, is twofold, right? That lack of understanding, lack of alignment. And then, you know, secondly, it's like, come on, I think our role is the opposite of chasing leads. 
So I wanted to bridge that. And in terms of, um, you know, setting the problem, right, we're not just here to bitch, to solve. So um, in terms of, you know, I'm, I'm just so stuck on niche or niche, man. I don't know. I guess I, I think I've been say? saying it wrong for all these years. What do you say? Niche or niche? Yeah. What, I say niche. Niche? Gab? I'm yeah. pretty sure it's niche. Gab, you're not niche. Is it? There's no agu over Niche. Yeah. <laughs> it's one man. But I think, you know, rolling the, you know, how do we solve this? You know, I've come across this on a few occasions. Um, and it's typically a different topic. So I wanted to maybe just in a few subsections. Um, and talk about, I think PMM is one of our favorite ones is when you first come in or you've been there for a while and they say, you know, go write this slide deck or go update the uh, copy on the website. And the first question I like to always ask is, well, what's our positioning on this? Who's the target audience? Like who, who we're trying to focus on? Oh, boom. Right. There's another one. Who's our persona? All of these things. Um, have to come before we ever start writing any copy. And so what I found really useful in explaining this, um, especially my, my recent um, job when I came on, it was basically explaining that copy is like building a house and furnishing it. Like you can't just go paint the walls and sleep in a couch when you don't even have the concrete foundation. And then to me, that's, that's the positioning. And then that next step is where you actually put up the walls and have some type of a structure. That's your messaging piece. But people always skip that too. And they think, oh, messaging, copy, same thing. And I think once you educate them in that way and break it down, like, I can't even get to the copy until we, we have to get this positioning. I've seen that be, um, you know, a really, I think, easy simile for people to, to um, grasp onto. And there's plenty of people, I think, using that that simile. I know I got it from the Olivine and Winter course. So props out to them for your B2B messaging course. Anyone on yeah, the show notes, by the way. Definitely, uh, definitely take a uh, look at that. But um, So in terms of that portion of it, so you guys have any you know, comments, things you feel strongly about when you get approached and say, hey, go write this messaging, go write this copy, but you don't have the positioning or maybe even the messaging set in stone yet? I think, I think one question that go ignored and it's no fault of our own because like when we hear messaging, when we hear the terms messaging, positioning, copy, we are so familiar with what that means is that sometimes leadership may have a different vision or different perception of what that word means. An example for me is that when I was working in an organization, they'll always say, hey, Zach, we need some messaging for this uh, webinar, or we need some messaging for this email template. And they were trying to say copy, but it, everything that was the written word was messaging. And um, I think yeah. that's one, that's one, one gap. It's like align with your, like your leadership is say, Hey, when we say the word messaging, what do you want? And that applies to both like positioning and copy itself but that's one challenge i've seen and i think one fire question is like when you hear them say that just get their take on it to help you align with them 99 percent of startup i spoke to this year 
are using messaging for every written copy. And I'm always cringing out. And it's always kind of a balance of if you're an agency, do you want to take that time to educate them versus like generally where it's, it's not necessarily easier, but you have a better control of the scope of every time that they're saying like, Hey, look at that messaging. You're like, Hey, messaging is more like the, the umbrella over everything, all of the copy we're going to be writing instead of all written copy, basically. I think it's, it's something that ultimately we need to just keep being at, at the back that you're saying it, Eric, we need to just keep going. We need to have like those guardrails of educating a little bit more about the terms that we're using and setting up ways for us of making sure that people can take a look at it. I was in a situation in kind of enterprise company where you're taking up projects and you have the messaging, you have the positioning, but I'm pretty sure that the marketing team or CS or product that are on that kickoff or not looking are sometimes not even aware of those documents. So they're looking at, okay, but what's the copy going to be? How do I inspire myself to ultimately do creative work? I think this is a challenge that, you know, I was at the time trying to, to, to surpass, like, it's like, okay, how can I educate them and not looking at someone who's all theory and no execution. I'm, I'm liking where we're, we're starting this conversation off quite a bit. And you mentioned there about kind of educating people, right? That's going to be a theme that we constantly are going to see coming up. Right. And we get it, we understand it and we got to be able to share that knowledge effectively. Um, yeah, kind of a little tangent that I just thought about here as we were speaking. I don't know what it is, but in my head, when we were saying messaging and copy and people thinking they're the same, when I take the ING off of messaging and when I just say message, what's the message you want me to say? Yes. I don't know why to me in my head, even as a product marketer, that sounds so much more clear to me. What's the message you want me to convey? Not what's the message. Yeah. Right. And I, I think, um, I don't know, maybe I just caught on something there that we need to educate all of PMM to stop saying messaging and just say, what's the message. Right. Yeah. That's, that's where I think a lot of us get hung up. So it, it's, that's it's, a really something good take. That, it, it, it's something that, that Anthony Pierre, uh, talked to me about the first time I spoke with him actually. And he said that in product marketing, just by default, we have really super vague definitions. Like, so exactly. I think Eric, as you're saying, I don't know if we need to change messaging with message, but as, as you, I feel like message is a lot more clear than messaging. It can encompass a lot of things, but yeah, yeah I mean, if, if we need to have like the definition of the day on this podcast, that, that could be fun. <laughs> like what actually is messaging? Yeah. I, th I think we need to have that definition day. Yeah, I mean, we could pick apart, I'm sure, as, as you just highlighted, we could pick apart a bunch of things that, ironically, we, we as product marketing as a function have not done a good job in explaining and making clear. I mean, even our job title, right? Product marketing. Terrible, terrible name. <laughs> like, 
Like just hey, I think we just assume that everybody's gonna know because product marketing is just the best profession in the world. And we just assume that everyone. Well, that knows is, is that is true. You should everyone should want to be a product marketer, but whether you've got what it takes. Product marketing, marketing, product marketing over professional sports. Hey, <laughs> one one safer in most cases. Um, so we talked. You know, I think one of one of most PMM's favorite topics, right? Positioning versus copy. Um, but something that I I think also gets brought up a lot is like, hey, go do this thing, go do some tactical thing, but without actually applying that research. So I want to get your guys' thoughts, yeah. opinions, any suggestions you have for our audience of how you'd address that conversation with someone in the organization when they say, Hey, I need you to do this thing, but you're thinking in your head, we where's the research? Uh, interested in as take on. That. Do you have an example of of what thing? Like, let's say you're my boss and you're asking me to do one specific task. Can you tell me the task, just for the sake of this example? I would. I, I think like cre- let's say like create a new battle card on uh, a competitor that was mentioned on a on a sales call. Yeah, or okay. yeah, someone dropped a competitor in Slack, right? Or uh, I'll give you another example if you want to chew on this one. Um, just writing an email, right? Or picking a channel to deliver a piece of content to, right? Go write this post for some channel. So I'll let you kind of pick and choose there, but I wanted to give you a few examples. Right, um, write, a, write a new LinkedIn post about this product feature. That, exactly. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, just by default, and you know, the more the more we're we're becoming older, I feel like the more time is valuable. I'm always trying to ask, what's the broader goal for this? Yes. Because product marketers just by default, we have huge checklists. We're always trying to prioritize. So I'm like, hey, if if I need to do a battle cards, what's the ultimate goal? Is it to like take more market share from this company? And then what's the overall strategy behind it? So I'm always kind of trying to ask, but why am I looking to do that? And then I want to take a look at, does it fall under my purview? And is it something that will take me a short time to make a high impact? And I'm trying to ultimately categorize those tasks of like high impact, low time to actually craft or, or create. Yeah. And then I can kind of take my decision of, I'm too swamped. I don't have time to spend on this. Here's yeah. some ways that I can help you along the way later on. Or, fine, I'm ready to do that. Do you have a deadline? How many stakeholders are ready to work with this? And what are you seeing the end results be like? So I'm just trying to, you know, stop asking more information, trying to link it to a broad goal. And then being able to kind of create a metric by myself of seeing, will this have an impact? And I'm hoping it won't make me like pause everything else that I'm doing right now. Yeah. Like, Gab, what I heard, what I, first thing I heard that really resonated with me is like, what is the broader goal? A, um, reflecting on like conversations I had with Jason and specifically like productive PMM, like the hub he's built out is. The first question what I'd ask in that situation is like, hey, like, let's take a look at the company OKRs. Like, what are the company OKRs? And specifically, like, from your experience, 
what company OKR are we aligning this ask to? Because like for every product marketer or for most, when you build out your own personal OKRs, you're aligning it to the company like OKRs. So if there, if there's a project being asked of you, you want to make sure that what you are going to deliver moves that needle towards the North Star goal that you set for yourself that aligns to your organization. The second thing, Gab, like you, Gab, you're on fire, man. It's like the, the timeline. It's like, when are we looking to have this? Deli- like, when are we looking to have this delivered by? It's like, that was like my favorite question when I was in sales is that what is our timeline? That will decide whether this is a project that you need to move on like as soon as possible, or if this is something like, hey, like, let's check back in this time, or let's, and it helps you to better prioritize what else is on your plate. Because overall, like product marketers, I think many of us that are feeling the pain is that like, we have a lot on our plate and there's not enough people to go around. So being effective at asking what are the OKRs, what is that timeline? It's going to help you like, like identify where to put this on your list of priorities. Love it. Love the way you're putting it. Then the last thing I would just add on this topic is if you're a younger PMM and when you're asking, when's the deadline you're getting told, like ultimately today or end of day, I would say that the best thing you can say is asking why, why is it today? Like, will something be different tomorrow? Um, because that's why you're able to start showing the fact that it's okay if it's not done by 4 PM or 5 PM. And ultimately it can be done until the end of the week. So if your boss, founders, whoever else is telling you today or end of day, you know, just, just say, well, I mean, why today specifically? So, you know, ultimately you can have a more fun by being less rushy and trying to deliver something really quickly without having time to strategize around it. I think it's that Canadian you got because. I would say, I would say just, just can't work. You want this by end of day, depending on what, if it's a, if it's something I can do with five minutes, more than happy to do it. Yeah. But if you're asking me to build a battle card by the end of day from scratch, that time I just can't work. Yeah, no, Um, I I mean, I mean, it depends on the context for sure. (laughs) (laughs) You're asking why I'm going to tell you no. Yeah, if you, if you cannot write an email like for end of day, I mean, you you have some sort of productivity yeah. issues. <laughs> but I, I would say that it's all about it's all about the context, and ultimately, it's just yes. that if it can be done today, but you have more pressing initiatives that you need to to do now, take the rest of the week to to work on it, basically. Yeah, and I want to throw one more point in here for the young viewers, like you said, Gab, right? Your advice was to get a very specific why with them. And there is a very good chance that they may not want to give it to you, right? They, for whatever reason, we won't go into that right now, but they may feel like they don't have to give you that reason. But I can assure you that when you write that new messaging or you build that new slide deck or do this or that, the same question is going to be asked of you. So don't be... Um, skittish to push back and really affirm that why 
before you go out of your way and reprioritize things to go do that ask. Um, it will feel uncomfortable. Believe me. Yeah. Cave probably more times than I've pushed back. <laughs> but know that, again, it's it's respect level that they're going to ask of you. So you can also ask it. Of yeah. Yeah, um, this that reminds me of. Oh, I go ahead and we'll cut good. you off. You're good, brother. Yeah, I, what you said, what you both said, reminds me of a story I had when it was my first year in product marketing. I was, it was on a, it was on a team call related to a product launch. I was going to be out the door in the next few weeks, and the product manager like put me on the spot and was like, "Hey, Zach, we've got these, we got these salespeople asking." Uh, customers asking about this product, like, where's the one pager? And prior to, mind you, prior to the conversation, I we communicated the plan. We have the launch plan laid out and we said, hey, the one pager is going to come out in the next two weeks. It's going to come out towards end of month. It's going to be time with the release of the product. The problem was, is that she was asking for this one pager ahead of schedule. Her reasoning being, hey, customers, salespeople are asking for it. And going back, like Eric, like the, you brought up a really good point is that like prior to being like product marker, I was in sales and being like, okay, well, why are you going to give a one pager and there's no product? Um, that was the question I asked in the back of my head. But what I said instead is that, Hey, I'm excited that they want to see this one pager, but like what changes have been made in the product timeline for us to move this forward. Because yep. if I was a prospect customer and you're like, you want to see this product and someone gives you a one pager, wh what are you going to do with a one pager? If you want, if you're like, Hey, I'm ready to buy right now. I'm going no to, one's start, buying a one I'm going pager. to sell that. <laughs> if I got a one pager, <laughs> I'm ready to sell it. <laughs> I'm going to tell you a one pager, sell it. And we're going after Salesforce, baby. <laughs> But <laughs> yeah, Salesforce, you already hear something. Watch out. Bunch of myths like, coming yeah. after your bag. <laughs> we know we're, we're going to peel off a new product line, take these one pagers. They're going to be part of our revenue generating, like uh, a revenue generator go to market. We're in there. But going back to the point is that, like you said, you're like, Eric, is that like you as a product worker is like, it's okay to say no. As long as you can point to a plan that's been written on paper. And if you do say no, like have a conversation. I'm like, hey, like that's an opportunity to like discuss. I'm like, hey, what needs to change? What timelines need to change? What priorities need to change for us to meet this new ask? Like a no is not a definitive no. It's just an opportunity. To, hey, our expectations are not aligned. Let's take a moment to get aligned. And I think that's what's been very, very effective for me in the past and even my day to day today. I was trying to get my Husky, but she ran before I could grab her. I, and, and with that comment, I think too, not just no, what I've, what I've learned in the last two years is saying yes, but right. So if you haven't learned the art of yes, but there's a gajillion ways for you guys to go out and out and view that but i think that's also i've learned that improv yes and but that's probably yeah, not effective for what, <laughs> what we're talking about here well and i wanted to tie it back to kind of the you know the research side of things right when you're asked to go do something and 
right? You're just like, come on, what what actual thought has gone into this? Um, I want to give two examples for our listeners. Hopefully, they can they can chew on and and use um you know young PMMs in particular. But when I first came in to Kiramit, right, we had a sales leader, and and it was very evident he wanted some sales assets, like a sales deck. I can't even tell you how many times I was asked for that. And the conversation, similarly to the positioning and and copy conversation, was we don't even have buyer personas defined. Right. I come in and I'm, I'm like, who are the people who are willing to pay for this product? Who are the decision makers? Who are just the users who essentially have to be forced to use it and they don't really have any decision making? Could not even get that question answered to a 10th degree. So it was really important to articulate the user is not the same as the CEO. Right. And it was really easy for me to articulate that. Right. Like, you, Mr. VP of sales, what do you care about more than anything right now? Right? And he's like, closing deals. And I'll be like, exactly right. And what do I care about right now? And he's like, not closing deals. And I'm like, exactly. We are two different personas working for the same organization. And we might actually want to use the same product here in the future. Let's say Gong, for example, right, is a great one. We have totally different needs for Gong. And, and we need to be able to communicate that effectively. So for the, for the viewers out there, you know, if you're talking to leadership, hopefully you are in a different role than them. That's why you're there. And you can articulate them that, hey, you know, you might want something and it's a totally different want than I want, even though it might be the same exact product that we're going. Um, and then the, the next part is like the competitive piece, which is really near and dear to my heart. And I know we'll, we'll talk later with like Andy McCotter-Bicknell um, and Clara Smith in particular, but I find it very important that you take that time to figure out like, okay, you want me to go do this ask, All right? Let's look at the actual landscape and say to ourselves a couple of things. Is this a strength of ours? Like, do we already crush this? Do we have a really good social following or are we trying to keep up with someone like Lavender, for example, who just crushes it and everyone loves their content? That might not be the best use of our time to go try to match them, right? And it, it may be a feature. It may be a, you know, a, uh, a marketing tactic they're using. It may be a PLG strategy around pricing. But I think that's really important. Take a look. Where are your strengths? And then... Additionally, where do they kind of slip up, right? And make sure that that's being brought up into the conversation. And the way that I've, I've deflected this a few times is to be like, you know, think of a, think of a boxer, think of a basketball player, right? I am Allen Iverson and Shaq standing in my way. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not trying to jump 70 or 86 inches over to the guy and, and cram one on him. I'm going to cross him up, break his ankles, and drop a layup in. And I think that conversation needs to be had, and that, that's two examples of how I've been able to say, guys, we haven't done the research yet, and once we do it, here's what we should probably be able to figure out from it. Um, you know, easy, easy similes that get people to relate a really complex topic and, and, and bring them down to earth and say, yeah, you know what, you're right, let's, let's pause on this this specific ask and let you go do the proper research you need to and make sure that this deliverable comes out as best as it can. Amazing advice.
Love it. Oh, good. Because that's why I asked. And the last thing I really want to bring, and this kind of comes back to my original question, is how do you convince everyone in your organization that we should be building products that people want to buy? That when we launch this, we've got people already lined up to pay us for it versus building a product and then taking all of our resources to figure out how are we going to get people to buy this thing? Have you I, situations where you've had to have that conversation and say, look, this is how we need to run product launches and develop products. Do you have any advice for our users or any, any, you know, examples that we could share? I think it's something that both of you guys have said before, um, along with like, you know, we had Jason on last week is that that conversation should begin with your product counterpart when you are thinking about the product roadmap when the, when you're looking at the annual plan, but, but let's say that you are not there for that conversation. You join at a later part of the year, you are new. Um, I think it's like, that's the first, like one of the first meetings to have on the books is like, Hey, like, what does the roadmap look like? What are we prioritizing? What's changed? What's like, what changes have we seen so far, either from just like customer interactions from feedback we're getting from customers, from cases that are coming from the customer success team that may influence how we have the list prioritized today. But I think at the end of the day, um, before we talk to the entire organization is to have that sit down with the product counterpart and figure out like, what is their priority and what they want to launch next. Yep. I would, I would agree with that. And I think that for a major part when that's happening, there's already a roadmap. They already know what, what they want to do. And it's like, Hey guys, here's this mix match, weird stuff, kind of worm. Do something with it. Come on, PMMs, go to market with it. When positioning, as we know, should be done at the ideation phase. So then everything else is more of, um, I want to use too much slang, but I would say it's more of a top-down approach and bottom-up. And we're just able to go to market more effectively than here's our kind of weird framing product and you need to do something with it and you need to position it correctly and you need to do that. Um, if you're able to do the research, to look at the competition and then to an instant gaps in the roadmap, I think it's a better way. And then you can say, okay, so can we take a step back? Can we remove the releases and ideas of the next quarters and just focus on tweaking that product to fit the positioning or in the strategy around the market we want to bring. And then we'll be able to focus on the direction we want to take because like it, the same is happening in growth as well. You're trying to like make things work, but it's not seamless because there's not necessarily a need for that product. People are not necessarily aware of it. Either probably more or they just don't know about your solution. So yeah, pretty much it. I love this. We got some, we got some wise words coming out of the We're Not Marketers today. Yeah, I don't, I don't know where these words were coming from, but they came. Well, you know, we've got, we've got a few episodes under our belt and we were blessed with two legends last week. So I think we're just smarter than we were. Three. We're, we're absorbing it all like a sponge. Hey, um, 
you know, I wanted to chime in here to kind of close out this specific conversation about what do you do if you're doing more marketing than product marketing? What if you're doing more lead gen than revenue capture, right? And a conversation that I tend to like to have, I've only done it once, so I'm not going to fluff you and try to say I've done this at five companies and it's worked every time. But I'm in a situation currently where I'm the only marketer, right? There's a lot asked out of me. And so there's a lot of trade-offs that need to happen, both between myself and everyone else in our organization. And one thing that I've, you know, really tried to make it clear is this. If we don't do the proper things that product marketing would normally do in the launch phase, in the development phase, right? What we are trading off is making everything harder for our four teams who are working their asses off to do their job, right? Product. It is so hard for them to capture insights from the market, right? And actually understand what everyone's saying and sift through who's the uh, boy who cried wolf, right? And just wants the feature because they want a feature versus if we build this, we've got a hundred wolves at our door instead of one boy crying for a wolf. And I think that translates very well to the rest of the groups, right? For sales, if you're delivering a product where we haven't had time to position and create a messaging structure, and, and like we were talking about earlier, a really nice one pager to go with it, sales is going to have a really hard time doing their job. And then it passes down to customer success. So much upsell, so much cross-sell, so much reducing churn is being put into that bucket right now in particular. And so we're making their jobs exponentially harder because they're now trying to go do something they're not used to doing, right? Selling, number one. So now we're giving them the opportunity to sell a wishy-washy product at best that we haven't done a good job figuring out if it was a good market fit, if we've done all the work to, to get it to market. And lastly, like the marketing teams themselves. Um, I have seen this firsthand being on a, being on a smaller team that if you do not have that, that injection of what, who, and why you have really crappy marketing material. doesn't matter if it's email, social, an infographic you just have you just have shit like i'll just be i'll be frank with you um and so that's the conversation that i try to have and again these young marketers this is this is something you got to learn is being able to say if we don't inject this level of development that the top you know the figmas of the world are doing we are sacrificing every single other department in being able to exceed or excel at their job so I'll shut up, get off my soapbox there. But, you know, those are some of the things I feel like we can do as individuals. And hopefully the listeners on our podcast can go and uh, make a little bit of change at their organization next week. Be the change that CEO, your CEO wants to see in the org. <laughs> that was a great way to put it. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the C and CEO stands for change. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
All right, y'all. Good talk. Good talk. Thank you for listening to WinNet Marketers. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, review our podcast, and share this episode with other PMMs. Thanks again, and see you soon.